Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. Thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate you. This program is all about educating seniors and their caregivers, helping them make informed decisions. This is a trusted place for you and your family. As always, if you have a question, you can visit us online at Senior Care Live, L-I-V-E, SeniorCareLive.com, or you could call 1-800-331-6445. All right, so we are going to have a fantastic program today. Uh, I promise you, you're going to want to hear this again, and you're, you're going to want to share it with uh, friends and family. Uh, today is all about COVID-19, and more importantly, new vaccines. I have so many questions and so many of my listeners have uh, the same questions. Uh, so I'm so pleased and honored to have my friend and special guest today, uh, Dr. Patrick Herrick. He is a board certified uh, physician in family medicine. And by the way, Dr. Herrick, that was not enough of a challenge. He went ahead and got a PhD in biomedical engineering at the same time. Oh my goodness. Uh, Dr. Herrick is one of the smartest people I know. Uh, he practices in the Olathe area. I'm so happy to have him here on the program today. Dr. Herrick, welcome to Senior Care Live. Thank you so much, Steve. It's great to be here. And that was a very kind introduction. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And well earned. And, and you're you're welcome. And again, I, I, I meant every word I said. I, I'm so, uh, so impressed with you and your knowledge. And uh, and I just can't wait to jump into some of these questions. So uh, let's go ahead and just uh, roll into this. I just want to do a, a brief review of COVID-19 and then jump into the vaccines because it's so new. There's so many questions. So let's start out by discussing COVID-19 uh, and just uh, exactly what is COVID-19 and and how does it work to harm a person? COVID-19 is the disease caused by the coronavirus, one of the coronaviruses. And there's lots of kinds of viruses. Coronaviruses are named so because of their shape. Underneath an electron microscope, they look like they have a crown, these little spikes sticking out. And incidentally, the spikes are exactly what the virus uses to attach to our own cells. Ah. Okay. All right. So uh, 
the spikes are, are the issue. And, and that makes sense. It, it just, it, everyone's seen that the little picture of the little round cell with the little spike sticking up and the little, uh, you know, the little hooks or the little things on the end of that. So that attaches and then uh, that's how it enters. So, okay. All right. And uh, why do some people literally become just they're asymptomatic they're they have no clue they have this virus and to others it is literally lethal why, why is there such a difference in reaction to from one person to the next every infection is an interaction between bug and host and there's a lot of factors that on a day-to-day person-to-person basis are a little hard to predict but we do see trends for example Elderly people are more severely affected, I think most of us know that, by coronavirus. Here's a statistic that's pretty sobering. Eight out of the 10 deaths from coronavirus are in individuals that are over the age of 65. If you're 65 or over, your chance of dying from coronavirus is 90 times, that's nine zero times that of, you know, if you're uh, not elderly. Um, There are also, of course, physical conditions, medical conditions that raise the risk of getting severe coronavirus disease, cancer, heart disease, COPD when you have emphysema, and even developmental conditions like Down syndrome can raise that risk. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, so the, the, the emphasis is 65 plus. That is, I didn't realize the numbers were that high. That's really frightening. Um, so uh, just briefly, I, I think a lot of people know what the symptoms are, but let's just have just a brief review of the symptoms of COVID-19, some of the major symptoms. It feels a lot like flu. You get cough, you, get, you can get short of breath, fever, muscle aches. One of the specific strange symptoms of COVID-19 that most of you will be aware of is that you can lose your sense of taste and smell. Yep, and that's, uh, I I thought that was really a a strange thing when I read that early on, but it seems to be pretty consistent. So uh, how is COVID-19 transmitted and why is it so contagious? The simple answer is it's transmitted through the air and drilling down on the detail a little bit, the virus particles themselves don't like free float through air to cause disease with any significant regularity. They're riding on respiratory droplets, which are microscopic water particles that we all expire when we breathe from our lungs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I always avoid too much controversy and, and, and politics, but how do you feel about wearing a mask? And are masks really uh, and truly effective uh, against uh, these these little water particles that this uh, COVID nineteen is is uh, seems to be writing, like you said, writing uh, down you know through the air? Definitely, I have read some of the objections people have to wearing masks, and it did get caught up in political considerations. Yep, uh, and I have friends who really you know bristle at being told to you know, wear a mask in public. Um, They're concerned there might be some other sort of issue going on. But having read some of the science behind masks, I can definitely vouch for that. Uh, People have Googled the size of the virus and the size of the pores in a mask and said, hey, that virus is much smaller than the pore in a mask. But 
what we're forgetting is that the virus does not free float in air. It rides on the respiratory droplets, which are a lot bigger. And those droplets are about the size of a pore in an ordinary paper mask. Now, um, the interesting thing is, is that there's electrical charges on those droplets. And there's opposite electrical, electrical charges on the mask. It's just, you know, static electricity, tiny bits that we cannot detect with ordinary sensation. But the net effect is you're sending a, a negatively charged water particle down a tunnel. And, you know, the mask looks like a long tunnel to these respiratory droplets mm -hmm. by, the, by the time you get on that microscopic scale. And so the mask is opposite charge. So it'd be like me trying to run down uh, a 100-yard dash with a Velcro suit and the tunnel is barely bigger than the Velcro suit. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and I would add to that if I were drunk because the respiratory <laughs> particles are, are randomly moving. So I think by the end of that tunnel, I'm not going to make it out. You're not going to make it out. That's right. right. Okay. So, so and, we're and in the masks. I might add just one more thing. You know, sure. I, as you know, in the medical practice, we've been around this almost every day. Yeah. And, you know, I have stuck these q-tips down people's noses to do the test and we go in there with our mask and you know i am not sick yet that's that is yeah th that that's excellent that is excellent um now um how effect so so I, I think the answer is wearing a mask wearing the right mask is an effective uh deterrent uh, from particles coming in as well as you expelling particles out into the air like you said riding a water droplet to land on something so right. uh, so that's really good to know i've never heard it explained like that that is fantastic uh how effective are the hand sanitizers that we're all using such as purell and some of the many other ones that are available we don't really know on the other hand i think it makes us feel better particularly if we've knowingly been around it so okay. even though I, I don't feel like I have firm proof that, uh, you know, sanitizers, chlorhexidine, alcohol sanitizers are effective, you can bet when I'm done seeing a patient who I know to have COVID, I'm wiping things down. Okay. Um, when you contact COVID-19, what is the dormant period and when are you actually contagious and, and how long are you contagious and when are you not contagious so what does that time frame or that cycle look like right so the ultimate end uh, of that say the range would be two to 14 days but much more often it's more like two to seven days okay. uh, after exposure that you would begin to develop symptoms all right and then and then you know how how so how long are you contagious? I mean, are you not contagious after 14 days or what does that window look like? Right. So after exposure, if you've not been ill by 14 days, and actually they recently shortened this to 10 days to try and make days. it easier yep. for people. Um, and, and then there's a fine print that uh, if you've been exposed, you don't have symptoms and you get a test five days after exposure and that's negative, then you can actually cut it short to even seven days. After okay. Exposure if you don't have symptoms. That's that's really good to know. Um, now, a lot of people are calling their their doctor's office requesting a test. When should someone request uh, being tested? Right. Um, certainly, if you're in symptoms that are subjective, if you've had that are suggestive, if you've had a known exposure, and you're concerned you're exposing others, I think that's a really good time. It is good to realize that due to that incubation period that it may not show up, say, the first day or two. Uh, an ideal time that has been suggested if 
you've been exposed but are not having symptoms is five days after exposure. Okay. And um, let, how, how, just briefly, I, I would uh, love to know your opinion on how accurate are these tests? Pretty good. If they say you've got it, you've got it. Um, some tests are better at picking it up than others. Uh, the PCR tests are the best at picking it up. The PCR test? Okay. Yes. All right. And uh, Dr. Herrick, we'll have, uh, uh, I have so many more questions after the break, but first, let's not forget about the Senior Care Live question of the week. The new COVID-19 vaccinations alter your DNA. Is that statement true or false? We'll have the answer coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget, you can stream this program to any electronic device. Super simple. Go to SeniorCareLive.com. Or you can also stream it through the app at Radio.com. All right. Back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. The new COVID-19 vaccines alter your DNA. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... False. The answer is false. And Dr. Herrick, what about the belief that the vaccine alters your DNA? The reason this question arises is that we're dealing with new technology. There's never been RNA vaccines before. So the information in our cells, the programming of our cells is in our DNA, right? Mm -hmm. And the information gets passed from DNA to RNA and then from RNA to proteins. And proteins make up our structures. That's how the genetic code gets interpreted. That direction of information is almost always from DNA to RNA and not vice versa. So that's one okay. reason why the RNA vaccine won't get uh, incorporated into our DNA. Okay. All right. Excellent. Uh, my friend and special guest today, Dr. Patrick Herrick, board certified in family medicine and also has a PhD in biomedical engineering. Dr. Herrick, I'm not sure if I can even spell biomedical engineering, but <laughs> I, I know you have a high level of expertise in understanding the, the trials and the vaccines and how they work and questions and concerns, et cetera. So uh, again, I really appreciate you being here today. Uh, we, we left off talking about tests. Um, how do you feel about these these quick tests? So, for example, I actually toured a senior care community uh, over the, the Christmas time break there between Christmas and New Year. I had a simple nasal swab. Um, we did not go deep at all. Uh, Fifteen minutes later, they said I was good to go. I just had a feeling I, I wasn't. I didn't feel like that was a, a, a rock solid test or, or result. Are those quick tests? Are is are those things accurate? 
I think they have their place. Um, they're really good for mass screening. For example, I recently spoke with someone at one of the local pharmacies and asked them how many they're doing in a day. They're doing like 30 some a day. And we just can't do the deeper tests, the more careful tests that quick. Um, I think if someone had an exposure or had suggestive symptoms and they had someone in their house who was really at high risk, they may, however, want to go get the more careful test at their doctor. So sure. uh, the rapid test is the antigen test, and the more careful test is the PCR. And, and when we culture for those, it goes deep. Okay. Yep, absolutely. So do we have enough tests now as far as, I mean, are enough tests available? I know that's, that's been an issue. Is it still an issue, or do we have enough? Right. Early on, uh, I had someone who was ill across the state line, and I actually had to go to Jackson County Health Department to pick up a test. Uh, that was, mm -hmm. you know, last March. But now we have plenty of tests, and uh, it's just crazy how many we're processing. Okay. All right. Excellent. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the vaccines. These new vaccines are now available from, uh, at least initially here, from Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, and it's my understanding that the vaccine does not contain inactivated virus. So exactly how do these new vaccines work? Right. Again, this is new technology. And at first it caused me some trepidation, but the more you learn, the more I think you get enthused about it. So uh, a traditional vaccine works by you have what you want to become immune to and you inject it into somebody and then your immune system reacts to it. The way an RNA vaccine works is that you inject the RNA, your own cells take up that RNA and translate it into protein, what protein you want to become immune to, in this case, the spike protein that studs the surface of the coronavirus. So our cells are producing that spike protein in response to the RNA vaccine. All right, and and then the, the RNA technology I, I think you mentioned it earlier, is, is a new technology in a mass scale. Right. Uh, I understand mm -hmm. it's, hasn't it been used for about approximately 10 years in some ca experimental cancer treatments? When we say new, we have to be careful what we say. Um, uh, it, and yes, that's yeah. true. Uh, it has been used in those. And in fact, there are companies, including Moderna, developing anti-cancer vaccines with RNA. Gosh, I hope they are uh, successful <laughs> uh, with that. That would be fantastic. So, I guess maybe one of the one of the huge questions here is: the vaccine safe? Yes. Yes. And, so, go ahead. Okay. And so, so your your answer is is yes, and, and I think uh, uh, so many people would agree with that. Uh, but I'm still a little bit nervous about it, to be uh, honest. Uh, what about the absence of any long term studies? Uh, you know, should we be concerned about that? Right. So the benefit of long-term study is it allows you to say, okay, we have less people hospitalized, less people uh, dying, um, you know, five years down the road. Here's what, here's what happened. And the problem is in a pandemic, we don't have five years. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know that a lot of people have, uh, and this isn't to poo-poo the, the, the vaccine or uh, try to discourage anyone from getting it, but what are some of the concerns that are out there uh, about uh, the vaccine? My own path on this was when I learned that both new vaccines were RNA vaccines, and I knew that our own cells would be producing the spike protein, at least temporarily. 
I wanted to check that out. Uh, not only for myself, but for my patients, you know, and we have a number of patients and I wanted to have the right answer for them. So I, you know, I'm an ordinary doc, but uh, I ordered uh, new textbooks, $700 worth of textbooks. Uh, I did a search in what's called the National Library of Medicine twice. I read all the vaccine articles that were on the New England Journal of Medicine website. That's the most prestigious medical journal in the world. Took notes, um, read each article twice, took notes, organized the notes. And after 13 hours, um, it was about 1130 on New Year's Day, I had all my concerns alleviated. All right. That is, uh, and I'm going to trust you on that. <laughs> yes. So, I guess I didn't yeah. discuss specifics, but if, if you have a specific question, I'd be happy to answer. So, Okay. All right. Uh, so let's, um, let's first touch on this one. Why are uh, all of these, these new vaccines just so effective? Like 94 and 95%. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. When you think about the, the, the flu vaccine and some of the other vaccines, they're nowhere close to that. Why are these vaccines so effective? It might be the fact that we don't have long-term studies because sometimes you get that perspective that, hey, the new medicine, which looks perfect, does look so perfect, you know, in a year or two. Um, we do have two very good studies that show that the, at least in the short term uh, of the study, uh, you had 94%, 95% in the other study protection from getting ill. So the people did not develop symptoms of coronavirus and they, and they did not test positive. Okay, and that is, uh, that is just so, so exciting. Uh, we're visiting today with Dr. Patrick Herrick, board certified in family medicine and also has a PhD in biomedical engineering. Uh, and Dr. Herrick, I didn't realize that you you ordered seven hundred dollars worth of books. You did all of the you know some some a deep dive into all of this. And uh, if you're comfortable with the vaccine, then so am I. Thanks for uh, relieving uh, you know some of my uh, uh, some of my anxiety about that. And uh, Dr. Herrick, hang on because we're going to have a whole lot more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, visit SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget to check out our podcast of all of the recent episodes of this program. Again, online at SeniorCareLive.com. And now, this. And now, Senior Care in the News. A news report from Steve Keeker, president of Senior Care Consulting. All right, so this is uh, from CNBC on January the 15th. And the headline, new COVID variant first found in the UK could become the dominant strain in the US by March. And that's according to the CDC. Goes on to say a more contagious strain, it doesn't say a more deadly, but a more contagious strain of the coronavirus first found in the United Kingdom late last year could become the dominant strain here in the United States by March, which, by the way, we're a couple of months away. Uh, researchers warned 
increased spread could add more pressure on the nation's hospitals and require greater public health measures to tamp down the virus. And then they go on to quote, the modeled trajectory of this variant in the United States exhibits rapid growth in early 2021, becoming the predominant variant in March. Again, according to a CDC study released Friday, January the 15th. So that sounds kind of scary. <laughs> so, Dr. Herrick, you know, what about some of the new strains of COVID-19 that we're hearing about and is being pretty widely reported now? And how different are they? And will the and most importantly, will the current vaccines be effective against these new variants of COVID-19? So uh, we do know it's more contagious, as you alluded to. I have not yet seen myself. Uh, evidence that it's more deadly. Um, but if it's spreading more rapidly, one would have the concern more people would be exposed. Uh, some of it has been detected in the United States. Okay. All right. And so will the, uh, will the vaccine uh, basically be able to take care of this new variation of the, of the strain? I sure hope so. I don't know if anybody knows for sure yet. Okay. All right, and I, I'm sh- I'm sure I'm happy to hear that it it, it doesn't say it's more deadly; it, it's more contagious. I don't know how it could be more contagious because uh, <laughs> this stuff seems to be contagious enough already. So uh, that's scary. But you know, the masks and all of the all of the measures that we've been doing, I think we're going to be doing this for a long time. So uh, in that last segment, we talked about. Uh, you know, some of the pushback, some of the concerns about the vaccines. And I know one of them, and, and this was a major one, and it's it's one of my concerns as well, is that, you know, isn't it possible that exposure to COVID-19 after the vaccine would cause a severe immune reaction and, and potentially death? Um, uh, is that possible? And, and what do you think about that concern? Steve, uh, you're referring to the allegation of antibody-dependent amplification, or or ADE. If that were the case with this vaccine, then there would have been deaths of vaccine recipients in the trials when they they were eventually exposed to COVID. And we know they're exposed because uh, 162 of the placebo recipients in the Pfizer trial, for example, got COVID, but only eight among those who were vaccinated. Um, So either somehow... The people who got vaccinated um, got exposed only 2% of the time as compared to the placebos, or actually they were exposed, did not get the ADE, and actually were protected from COVID. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, I've also been reading, and again, if I have these questions, I know a lot of other people do as well. Is the vaccine not safe for certain individuals, maybe with certain ailments or health conditions. Uh, so, for example, I, I read an article about uh, it you need to proceed with caution. Someone with MS, for example, maybe some other specific diseases or allergies may want to hold off uh, taking this vaccine. Uh, is, is there uh, any concern there? Not with MS or other autoimmune diseases. Um, one reason is that people with MS and other autoimmune diseases are often on meds that suppress the immune system. So they are actually at risk of getting more severe COVID. Okay. And that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Here's another one. Uh, can a pregnant woman take the vaccine? And, uh, well, for, we'll just stop at that. Can, can, can a, a woman who is pregnant, uh, can they take the vaccine and should they take the vaccine? Answers vary. Uh, on the one hand, 
it's a new medicine. We're always careful about what we give to pregnant women. Thalidomide was the ultimate example of that. That's the first time we were aware that environmental agents could cause birth defects. And, and so we don't, we don't really know. On the other hand, CDC and American College of OB-GYNs have been encouraging pregnant women to consider getting the vaccine. Okay. And by their very age, they're going to be in the much lower uh, uh, risk category anyway. So uh, they have that going for them as well. Um, another concern is, uh, will the vaccine uh, cause infertility in women? That's another allegation that's out there on the web. And so one way to answer that is that if that were the case, then women who got COVID disease, who also have the spike protein inside their body, would become infertile. We've we've not seen that. Okay, that's good. That's encouraging. Um, So what would be considered uh, too young to take the vaccine. I, I don't know how much study there's been in, in, in you know, younger individuals, school age, you know, down to toddlers, et cetera. Uh, you know, what's, uh, what age is too young to, to take the vaccine? The Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines are licensed for individuals who are 16 to 18 years up. Uh, one of the vaccines is 16, one of them is 18. I don't recall which is which right now. And so we don't have approved vaccines for kids right now in the United States. Um, Children's Mercy is recruiting kids for a trial if their parents are interested uh, of COVID vaccine in children. Okay. All right. That's interesting. All right. Um, So what are some of the patient reactions uh, after receiving the vaccine? Mostly local soreness. Um, It is possible to have a severe allergic reaction, one where you would say need an EpiPen. Uh, that happens in about 11 out of a million vaccine recipients, so not very oh, common. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. And it, so, so for example, you know, my kids, especially one of my boys, uh, has, you know, severe peanut uh, allergy or uh, reaction. And um, so I, I would be a little bit concerned, but if, if we're not, if we're just barely seeing that, um, I, I assume after you get the vaccine, do you have to wait for a while to be observed for a potential reaction? Right. The protocols are calling to watch people for about 20 minutes afterwards. Okay. So if you're going to have a reaction, it's going to happen pretty rapidly. That would usually be the case. Okay. All right. And why do you need two shots and why three weeks apart as far as these vaccines? Most vaccines need a primary series to become immune. For example, with DTP, you need five of those by the time you're five years old. So uh, the experts who do the studies to determine what dose works found that one to work. Okay. And, and I'm sure that was part of the testing is, you know, what is the ideal time frame between that first vaccine and then that second vaccine? Um, so, and maybe this isn't known because of the lack of the long-term studies, and, and I know uh, it's being you know fully studied now and will be for years, but uh, after fully being fully vaccinated, uh, will you have to take additional booster shots uh, in, in the future or periodically? That's unknown at this point. Um, I would hope not. Okay. All right. And uh, who should be prioritized? Uh, and, and again, you know, not... I hate it when 
we're talking about life and death, and we have uh, certain segments uh, in our population politicizing uh, th- this this pandemic. I, I hate that with with all of my being. <laughs> but uh, who I appreciate should, that. Yeah, who should be prioritized when receiving the vaccine? Right now, Kansas, I, I practice and live in Kansas, is prioritizing healthcare workers and also uh, long-term care workers and, and even starting with long-term care residents. Uh, the next phase will be the essential workers, uh, for example, teachers, and after that will be the elderly. Uh, Kansas is wanting to get elderly vaccinated in February. Okay. All right, so it sounds like that's uh, that's moving along pretty well. So that that's great. Right. Um, so uh, uh, another, I just have so many questions. <laughs> if you've had, if you've already had COVID nineteen and you've already experienced the symptoms and you came out on the other side and and uh, and now you're you're fully functional and and working well, do you still need to be vaccinated because you're you know your body's handled that invasion and created the antibody, et cetera. So if you've already had COVID-19, do you still need to be vaccinated? There are concerns that immunity from natural infection would wane. And there is some data lacking on this at this point. But right now, the experts are recommending vaccine for people who've already had a case. On the other hand, when when we're still in this early stage of not having enough vaccine for everybody, uh, if someone has had COVID, um, they may want to uh, allow someone with uh, a similar or even lower priority to uh, go ahead and, and get that vaccine in front of them. That's an individual decision. You know, and that makes that makes sense because you, you have some some level of protection just naturally uh, occurring. And maybe uh, you take a seat maybe a little bit later on down the road on that priority level. So, all right, Dr. Herrick, uh, thank you so much. And we'll have more coming up next with Dr. Patrick Herrick, board certified in family medicine and Ph.D. in biomedical engineering. This is fascinating. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. And we'll have a lot more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. All right, back with my friend and special guest today, Dr. Patrick Herrick, board certified in family medicine and has a PhD in biomedical engineering. And Dr. Herrick, uh, just this has just been fantastic. I still I could have questions maybe for three or four hours. So <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it to an hour. They're today, good questions. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so another question is, if you've had COVID-19, can you get it again? Rarely, yes. It does not happen very often, but it's possible. Okay. All right. And uh, if you've been vaccinated, can you still spread COVID-19? That's never been shown to happen, but I think out of an abundance of caution, the experts are recommending that we don't immediately drop the masking and distancing measures once we've had the vaccine. 
Okay. So that was my next question. If you've been vaccinated, do you still need to wear a mask? So uh, out of an abundance of caution, I think that's the key phrase there. Still do the social distancing, you know, wear the mask, et cetera, et cetera, uh, just to make sure until we know for sure, which I think is going to take more of that long-term study and uh, uh, just to confirm, uh, I would think if if you've been vaccinated, you you should be okay. But I mean, none of us really know that. So um, out I of tell you that, caution. Right. I can tell you that, you know, you know, a lot of times when I see people who catch it, they're, they're catching it by eating with a friend or family member. I can tell you that I'm going to definitely relax about eating with friends and family members once I get the vaccine finished. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, here's another one. Would it be possible for a vaccinated visitor, say, you know, visiting the hospital or a senior care community uh, to spread the virus, assuming that everyone else in the building is vaccinated? Because this is a huge issue. I work in senior care and uh, most of the senior care communities are being vaccinated right now as we speak. Uh, So if I'm vaccinated and I want to go see my elderly loved one in, say, an assisted living community or long-term care community, and everyone there is vaccinated, is it still possible to, to carry that virus in with me and put someone at risk? I think once you're immunized, this comes back to the abundance of caution again. Uh, I, I really doubt that when everybody's vaccinated around these residents that there's going to be a problem. But right now, people are being careful. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. That makes sense. So, okay, so let's let's roll out the conspiracy theories here. <laughs> I have not heard one single word not a not a peep about influenza and here we are we should be in the heat of the battle it happens every single year it kills 20 or 30,000 up to 60 80,000 people per year i have not heard one breath about the flu so the question is is it present this season or did the flu just decide to take a year off <laughs> sure and I, I i've heard of a couple cases I believe that it's not spreading much yet because of the masking and distancing. Okay. So that's, uh, now that kind of scares me (laughs) because I can see in the future, well, it's flu season. So everyone has to wear their mask and social distancing and shut down all the businesses. Um, I hope we don't do that. Um, I really hope not, but, uh, but, but that actually makes sense to me. So, um, all right. So how are we doing on the supply side of, of the vaccines? Are, th- are there enough doses available? Because I'm hearing, again, this is getting politicized and I hate that. Right. But, uh, you know, do we have enough available right now? Right. So uh, most recently, the federal government bought another 100 million doses. And of course, people have to get two doses. So that's 50 million people. Um, the interesting thing is that this vaccine being developed in such a short period of time is amazing. It's like the equivalent of a wartime effort. Um, and, uh, you know, those who were in leadership positions during this time, I think, really did an amazing job. Uh, it took 20 years to develop polio vaccine. And mm-hmm. this is about a year to develop this vaccine. They, they got some of the best minds and skills together to, to make this happen. Uh, in record period of time, I think in in retrospect, and uh, it would have been easy to do. What they didn't think of was supply chain. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 
That makes sense. You know, there are a lot of complaints about the rollout of the vaccine uh, here here in the Kansas and Missouri area. How are we doing with that with that rollout here just locally? Right. So I think some states are stronger than others. Missouri, for example, uh, I saw uh, on an email alluding to uh, the state would actually be emailing people when their turn was up for the vaccine. I, I can't vouch for that program, but I saw, thought I saw that was happening. So I, I think Missouri's probably got the, the leg up on that right now. I, I think Kansas is working to catch up. Okay. All right. And uh, when do you think we'll get back to, and I'll put air quotes up, normal, <laughs> or, or maybe we're, we're going to have a, a uh, air quote, you know, new normal. Uh, when, when do you think we'll get back to business as usual in right. our country? So the AMA, the American Medical Association, for, for what you think about them, they, 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 they are authoritative. And in December, they put in their journal that somewhere between 50 and 67% of the population is going to need to get vaccinated or the cause of all the distancing, the cause of all the masking um, is not going away. Okay. Is that when we're approaching some uh, herd immunity effect? Right. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so offline uh, on the breaks, you had mentioned that uh, you have had some some patients who have had COVID-19. Uh, how did they fare with with their treatment? Did they have to uh, become hospitalized? And uh, how uh, what what was the result? Right. So uh, definitely there are docs who see more COVID than I do. Uh, in our experience as a primary care practitioner in the suburban area, we've had, by my informal count, 85 people with COVID, uh, seven of those hospitalized, um, two deaths, uh, one, one yesterday. Um, so mm. it's, it's an issue. Okay. And I understand that uh, one of your patients uh, kind of breaks the mold a little bit, and it sounds like that patient was uh, on the younger side. Right. Yeah, we did have a 29-year-old in the intensive care, and it got close to ventilator. We were quite worried for, for her and her family. Yep. That sounds like she pulled out of that, so that is that is fantastic. Uh, and so uh, um, do, I guess, uh, you know, let's go ahead and just wrap it up by some, some final thoughts uh, from, from you on, uh, on this whole issue of uh, vaccines and COVID-19. Sure. So, uh, you know, it, it can be something to get anxious about. There's been a lot of anxiety in our population, uh, both in terms of worry about the disease, worry about how we're responding to the disease. Are we overdoing it? And I, I think the speed of vaccine development is the most positive thing. Um, you know, if you're a believer in uh, free enterprise, uh, this is, um, you know, uh, free enterprise companies at work developing, developing these vaccines. They, they did, of course, have some federal help. Um, but there's some reality to, to the uh, epidemic, and I, I think the good news is we, we now have medicines that work against it. We've got remdesivir. We've got steroids. We've got an antibody treatment that can help when you get disease if you're not yet in the hospital, like the Regeneron the president received, uh, and now we've got the vaccine. Yeah, okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. So it sounds like uh, we still need to proceed with caution. Uh, but the good news, the encouraging news is that a, a, a normal will happen uh, as slow as it seems. Uh, this has been lightning fast. Public uh, private partnership has been nothing short of breathtaking. 
and spectacular. So, uh, all right, Dr. Herrick, thank you so much for taking time out of the day to, uh, to uh, share your wisdom and knowledge with our listeners. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back uh, at some point in the future. Thank you, Steve. It was great to visit. All right. I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live.